Today's date is March 17th, 2023, and this is episode 13. I'm a little concerned, Ramson, about your salvation and stuff. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Now Jesus went to the desert 40 nights and 40 days. When he got tired and hungry, to his father he would pray. But the devil came to Jesus, said, if you want to be fed, why don't you turn these big old worthless stones to bread? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil he took Jesus to the temple up on top. And he said, if you are the son of God, you fall for this moving rock. A book of scripture says that angels will slow your falling down. And they'll gently put your feet back on the ground. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil gave to Jesus to a mountaintop to show all the cities and the nations and the kingdoms here below. And the devil gave told Jesus, you can have all that you see. If you will just bow down and worship me. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, he said, don't tempt the Lord thy God. Hello and welcome to this is an official Godcast. Thank God it's Friday and it is a blessing to be here with you all. My name is Ron Johnston. I'm here with Flightworks Mary and Burke tonight giving his testimony. Our special guest, Wade Remington. Hi there. How's it going, guys? Good. Good, Wade. Thanks. Thank you for having me on. It's such an honor. Honors ours, Wade. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We greatly appreciate you taking your time and spending it with us. How's everybody else doing? Good. 
Mary, how was, how was your Excited. week, Mary? How was what? How was your week? My week has been very busy. A lot of work to do. It's the 17th. It's, it can't be month end. What's going on? It's always just working you too hard. It's always month end. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, Mike, how was your evening? You a chance to unwind at all yet? No, there's no time for that in my house. <sighs> Not till about 1030. 1030. That's when all the kids go to sleep. Yeah. Mama stops poking you and prodding you and bugging you. Eh, she don't <laughs> bug me much. Gosh. I'm I'm usually bugging her. And Wade. Yeah, man. It's been a good day. We got lots of daylight left here out west. Wade's, um, Wade's wearing a pretty cool hat. Uh, the yeah. first thing I noticed when we got on here tonight, I said, Wade, what do you got on your head there? What you wearing? Duncan, he pulls his hat out. It's a kilted Christian hat. Yeah, man. And it looks like a first-generation one. It's still got the Q mark on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's Wade's part, old school. Part of a lot of our pasts. <laughs> but, yeah. And we're liking the hat. Zoom. Zoom is good, Duncan. Oh, yeah, we're Zooming tonight. Uh, so we shouldn't have any sound checks for the first 15 <laughs> minutes of the show we got that out of the way hopefully um mike were we gonna play any music tonight i heard someone told me you were gonna sing a carrie underwood song jesus take the wheel is that what's happening <laughs> absolutely not it is your favorite song though correct only when you're with me ron we can listen to it together uh that's maybe you would have, might want to set something like that on sound check, not on the live show, but okay. <laughs> Cats out of the bag. Well, let's go over some announcements. Uh, Mary, can you tell us what's going on the next two weeks? Well, next uh, Friday, the 24th, I'm going to have a friend of mine. Her name is Gwen Besser, and I met her at the ranch. And uh, she always tells people, too, that if you want to know a little about her, you can just Google her. She's got quite a story of um, forgiveness, actually, is what the story will all come down to. But um, I'll let her tell her story when she, she comes on, but it's going to be pretty powerful. And so <clears throat> I would encourage anybody, um, especially if you are dealing with uh, forgiveness in your life or if you know someone else that's dealing with that, it will be a very, very good testimony to listen to. So, um, but if you, like I said, if you Google her, you can find out the basics of her story. But, and then following that, that following week. Let, um, let me interrupt you real quick. Her story uh, was a national story though, correct? Wasn't she on uh, like Good Morning America or ABC News or something? Um, what was she on? Well, Gwen's story is national too, but um, Paulette's is the one that was on Good Morning America. Okay, okay. And she's the next week on the 31st, and she's a friend of mine as well, Paulette Anderson. And she actually came to Bards Fest with me. Um, some of you might remember her telling her story there. Um, she had, her son was um, abducted over 30 years ago um, in the same year that Jacob Wetterling was taken just earlier in the year. And so um, she's been 
searching for him ever since. But that whole struggle um, really helped uh, her come to Christ. And so she'll talk about that. And that's on the 31st. And she also, I know her from the ranch as well. Can't hear you, Ron. Oh, yes. We're excited about both of those. Gwen was on our sound check last night and just an incredible woman. Um, I could tell instantly before she even said a word, I could just see the love of Jesus in her. Um, such a just, just such a bright spirited person um, and just a glow, a glow about her. Um, beautiful person. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So, um, Wade's going to give his testimony tonight. Before we do, uh, Mike's going to take us into prayer, and then we'll get started. Oh, um, oh! if I can, one more announcement. Um, this Godcast, we, we'd, we'd love for this to be your pray, place of prayer as well. If you guys have any prayers, please tag Mary, and she will pray for you at the end of the show. Um, if you're unfamiliar on how to tag anyone, uh, ask Mike, and he'll hit you in that with a ball-peen hammer. Whoa. All right, let's pray together. Thanks. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here with Wade and to hear his testimony. I pray, Lord, that you would give him a calm spirit, clarity of mind, and um, we're just thankful that he's here to, to take the time to share what you've done in his life. Father, we just thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior, our witness, our intercessor, who goes... Um, before God to plead our case, that we can have a relationship with the Lord Almighty through Jesus Christ. We're so thankful for that, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that everything we say here tonight would be honoring to you, glorifying to you, and just help us, Lord, to be encouraged by Wade's story, and that we, Lord, would, would strive to want to be better for your kingdom and to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Mike. Well, Wade, thank you once again for coming on. We appreciate you. Yeah, it's just like I said, such an honor. And I was super excited to see you guys were doing this. Uh, and they had a couple on, you know, on uh, Duncan's show and you know you all took off and decided just to dedicate a show specifically to this that's that's a fantastic idea it's awesome and i think testimonies are uh <clears throat> they come in all you know shapes and sizes i suppose but they're, they're definitely good to hear um that was the first time i'd ever given mine on duncan's and um you know i wasn't I didn't follow any outlines or anything like that. I just, I just uh, went on there kind of willy nilly, but they made it all comfortable and whatnot. And I was pretty, pretty down on myself, I guess, at the end of it for not keeping track of time and whatnot. But I was, I was pretty surprised because evidently, like my own story hit home with a few people uh, that reached out to me personally, and that was pretty surprising. So. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. When that happens, you know, it's, we tell these testimonies, we're, we're always hoping it just not just someone to the cross, but also for us that are already believers and followers, it, 
it strengthens us as well. Right. Um, and right. and it, it's, it is, it's so nice to see the comments and the feedback and, and knows it. It helps you know that you, you're doing the right thing and following your heart and following Christ's right thing. Oh, sorry, just writing, writing my math down there. So anyway, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead. All right. Yeah. Yes, floor is yours. Thank you, Wade. So yeah, you bet. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so my story starts uh, in Moscow, Idaho. Um, uh, I guess a lot of people have heard of it recently for pretty unfortunate news. Um, it's actually a, a really good town. Um, overall, it's a, it's a great place to raise a family. My mom and dad came up here with my three older siblings <clears throat> from Rexburg, Idaho, uh, right after that earthen dam broke down there. They came up here in the, this would be the late seventies. And then I came along in, uh, 1981. But my closest sibling, Kathy, um, she was seven years. She was seven years old when I was born, and my brother, sixteen years older, and my oldest sister, uh, Janine, she's seventeen years older. Um, <clears throat> my dad was pretty well. Uh, he was pretty well out of the scene by then, even though he was still living at the house, he was having relationships outside of the family, you know, with other women and whatnot. By the time I came around, um, his dad, uh, my grandpa Remington actually passed away minutes before I was born. So that was kind of interesting. Um, and he and I actually, I wound up, I wound up, Inter, having a lot of the same, you know, loves and interests and stuff that he does. And so far as, you know, like cowboying and, and, uh, hunting and fishing and a little bit of art, but anyway, yeah. So dad, uh, he had found another woman by the time I was three, he'd been with her for a while. Um, you know, kind of behind the family's back and, he wound up moving out when I was three years old and, and they moved in together. Um, he was very abusive to my mother before that, while he was around physically and, you know, mentally and emotionally, he drank really hard. Um, and he was just pretty mean spirited overall anyway. Uh, and my mother's like the opposite of that, you know, a very, very sweet lady. Um, anybody and and uh she worked at a safeway which is a grocery store out here for 27 years so practically everybody in town knew her you know at least by first name and, and always has you know great things to say about her but she was stuck all of a sudden with a mortgage you know for a house and three you know you know three uh well i guess the four of us all together to raise uh, my sister, my oldest sister was pretty self-sufficient, the hero child, I guess they call them in psychology. Uh, she was, um, always a go-getter and was, you know, she was working like two jobs by the time she was 16. I think she even started waitressing when she was 13. So, 
she wasn't in the house very long after I guess she was but by the time I came around, she was only there for another year. Um, so my brother was kind of, um, whether he liked it or not, he was kind of put in a position of being a, a male figure for me um, and being 16 years older. And then there's my sister, Kathy. Uh, she was also, she was diagnosed insulin dependent diabetic when she, when I was born. <clears throat> and her and I were always really close. Um, we were, we never, we never had some of the fights that seeing other siblings have, even my other siblings. Uh, we just didn't, we didn't have a mean bone toward one another at all. So we were always just, yeah, really, really tight. Um, she was a very sweet girl, but going back, so as far as my dad and my childhood, um, I was always, uh, always tried to be friends with, you know, everybody that I could, but of course, you know, I guess it seems like you wind up having some friends that are closer than others. You wind up hanging out with more and they're generally about, I don't know, six, six or eight of us. We'd run around and skateboarding was big you know when we were kids back then and bmx biking was even bigger uh freestyle biking um you know that's how you'd spend your summers and so then i found out when i was uh, 10 i had to go and start spending summers with my dad so i was a little upset in the beginning uh when i found out i had to do that uh Rather than hang out and be around my friends, uh, I already had. My mom didn't talk bad about my dad, but she answered enough of the questions that, you know, I deserved to have answered even as a kid about, you know, about him, I guess. Um, and I didn't understand why he didn't want to spend more time with me, I guess, why he didn't want to fight to keep his family together. And I didn't see, even though I hadn't seen or didn't even know about the abuse, uh, you know, that he'd put on my mom um, and my brother to a degree. Found out when I was 10, I had to go and stay with him in the summertime. And he worked simultaneously for the Bureau of Land Management, as well as the Bureau of Indian Affairs. And at that time, he was working for the Crow Indian tribe out of uh, Crow Agency, Montana. It's, um, Custer Battlefield, I guess. That's right where that is, where uh, that whole massacre took place. Um, and would stay out, would stay out there with him. Uh, he was busy all day. Uh, luckily, as a little white boy on probably one of the roughest reservations back then to be on. Um, I was super lucky because my dad's coworker had a boy that was my age. And so he kind of took me under his wing with his older brother and older sister. And they kind of protected me and we'd go pal around and swim and whatnot on the, you know, out on the big horn river. Uh, they'd, they'd watch out for me. So it wasn't that bad. Other times I'd get to go, if they were busy, I'd get to go up to the museum at the, uh, battlefield and hang out, um, which was just incredible knowing the story. It, my, uh, 
stepmother was a uh, curator up there um, and tour guide. So I knew like both versions of the story of the Battle of Little Bighorn inside and out and i just just like getting to run around up there and just stop and visualize all that almost on a you know at least once a week basis was pretty incredible but there was still resentment of course i wanted to be back home with my friends um and spend the summer that way play summer league baseball that was my favorite sport next summer happened or next summer i wind up going back out there and they had my sister come out who was starting to experience diabetic reactions insulin reactions um and i was always an athlete i always wrestled played football baseball and was pretty full tilt about it Um, lifted weights as soon as i could as soon as it was i guess quote unquote safe to do so and i would sleep like a rock but any time that she was starting to go into a reaction, um, I always had a sixth sense, excuse me, to, to wake up. And um, I think it was only the second time it had happened. I, my mom was actually out of town, and I was the only one there with my sister to wake her up. I mean, not to, to bring her around, to give her a glucose um, and call 911 and everything. And I've been through it in my head so many times. So, um, but every time she would have one, uh, clear on up until 1997, um, I would wake up and I, I would be there first of all, and I would wake up. Um, so that second summer out at my dad's, they had her come out and his wife, unfortunately was a very terrible person. Um, and Crow Agency Montana at that time, there were not any good medical facilities right there uh, for a safe distance if she were to go into, you know, uh, like convulsive diabetic reaction. My stepmother knew that. She was in some high up government. She was involved high up in government, like through, I believe through DOD. Um, and she was super computer savvy and whatnot back then, but just, she was just mean, terrible person. She knew that our side of the family knew that about her. So she would turn into a 40, whatever year old child, you know, with the littlest things and go off and rants and stuff. My sister being like just a light, you know, of, of all that is good in this world was exposed to that. And she, the demons on this woman couldn't take it. And I watched her one night thwart her into a diabetic reaction. That's what she was trying to do. And I knew that she was doing it. And I was yelling at my dad, which I didn't do ever. I was scared of my dad for the most part. As much as I, you know, I I wasn't scared of much, but, uh, I was yelling at him, you know, to do something to to stop her. Um, anyway, um, hey, wait. He got, yeah. So, what were what was the age you were at right now when this was going on this summer? I was eleven that summer. That was the second summer I stand with them, and that was in Croydon, Montana. Okay, and then your sister was how old? Then she would have been 
like uh yeah so she would have been like 18 okay all right yeah yeah so anyway my dad i told my dad like you know i called my mom and everything too and my mom was super freaked out and you know made my dad get her on a plane like the next day and get her back to idaho um so that was like the only time that she ever stayed my stepmom pretty much tried killing her um so the next summer i wound up staying with them he was at a different he was working for a different i i I don't even know the the tribe but it was out of carson city nevada i wound up staying down there with them and that's when she started uh you know there was sexual abuse starting to happen and it was like kind of ritualistic and there were drugs involved like you know waking up to things that happened a couple of times her going off on rants you know just speaking evil stuff about everybody in my family um i started taking notes and growing up in a lutheran church uh i wasn't i wasn't uh I guess I would, my sister and I would spend time writing on the backs of the cue cards and drawing pictures, trying to get each other to laugh in the middle of the service. If that gives you any idea how I felt about church at that time, you know, and I was an alkalite and everything, but it didn't make sense to me. It was Lutheran. I knew what they did to Luther. And I was like, you know, why are we praying to the Catholic church still? This doesn't make sense. And I just, that's probably right. That's probably right when I started questioning things, you know, at a pretty early age with all that. But uh, yeah, I grew up Lutheran too, so I know what you're saying. Right, but I still believe, you know, I believed in God, but I certainly didn't. Nobody had really shown me that I could have a personal relationship, you know, and how important that was. Like at any point in my childhood, I just didn't have that. You know, uh, my mom did her diligence by just keeping food in our mouths and, and a roof over our heads, you know, but she definitely, if you were in the house or anywhere nearby come Sunday, you're going to church, you know, flat out. But so, but, 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 you know, I, I guess I really only prayed like selfish prayers and stuff when I was a kid, maybe like if I, um, I didn't understand prayer. Uh, and I didn't understand that personal relationship, but I was at a Bible and I would write down notes from everything that that woman said the step on about our family. I didn't write any of the abuse stuff down. Um, it actually got blocked out too until years later. Um, and still is, uh, but anyway, I would keep all of the all of those notes in my Bible because I did believe in God enough at that point in my life, you know, in my childhood, even, to know that she, that evil existed and that she couldn't touch God's word. That's how much I mean. So that was a marker of faith for me at that age, and she didn't. So being twelve years old in the state of Idaho, when I got back, I told my mom I needed to speak to her lawyer or to at least give him these notes and he called me into the office right away and he said do you ever want to go back and i said no and again like i said it's that's just the stuff that she'd said i didn't say anything about any of the other abuse stuff um 
so yeah, I never went back. Uh, fast forward into about 1997. Um, I, you know, I guess I would have been like 16, 17 and my buddies and I were all kind of, uh, we were athletes, but we were also kind of, I guess you'd call them, you know, we're country too, hicks, whatever you want to call it. Like we like hunting, being out in the woods. Some of us, our first jobs were being out in the woods, like cutting firewood and stuff, you know. Um, but we would, we started dabbling and drinking and stuff, you know. And some guys started smoking pot earlier on than others. And, um, sorry, someone's texting me. Um, but it wasn't, it was more of a recreational thing. And it was like a Friday night sort of thing, you know. So one of those Friday nights, um, I wound up going to a buddy's house just a few blocks up the street from my mom's house. And my mom was going to, it was, you know, my mom was working the next morning and she, her work was right across the city park, a lion's park from, uh, from the house and so she'd just walk back and forth but she would come home on her lunch break or on her morning break if she knew that you know my sister Kathy was there alone uh, just to check on her and I think that she had maybe been out on a Friday night too um, but anyway my buddies and I or my buddy and I you know we stayed up looking at talking talking about 16 year old 17 year old boy stuff and <clears throat> drinking in his room um, and the phone rang uh, in his parents' house. His room was upstairs and the phone rang the next morning and we'd slept in by like probably, you know, an hour more than we normally would have. And I just had a terrible gut feeling and uh, went downstairs. I was already downstairs by the time his mom had picked the phone up and just looking really scared at me. And I went and grabbed the phone and it was my mom and she just said my name and got in my pickup and smoked down the, down the street to her house. And there were ambulance, ambulances and fire, you know, fire truck and cop cars and everything all over the place. Um, and she was friends with a lot of the first responders too. Like four of them actually were in her class and those guys were incredible. Uh, as far as you mean in your sister's class, yeah, as far as just dropping everything yeah, okay. or They're leaving their radios, too. yeah, as far as leaving their radios on just in case, you know, they 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 were always looking out for, her. um, and anyway, um, she had had a reaction and it had gone on too long, uh, to the point where, um, she was brain dead and we'd already had that discussion and agreement and everything with her. If that, you know, if that happened, you know, that she wouldn't want her body to go on. So like a DNR thing. Yeah. So it was pretty rough because I had always had that. Like I said, it had happened. I don't know how many times next to 20 times. And I was always there and always woke up even even if it was just the beginning of it 
and she wasn't in full convulsions or anything, you know? So that was, um, that was pretty hard. Um, not have had that. And then that happened. Um, so yeah. And she was just, like I said, we were really close, uh, out of all the siblings. I mean, we were definitely the closest and, everybody i mean it, it broke everybody's heart she was like that kid and you know in her high school class that like everybody loved her and she loved everybody else and was always super sweet to everyone you know she was just a bright shining light so and to you probably huh absolutely yeah so i had started one when I was 13, um, my mom said, well, both my mom's and dad's side of the family are from Southern Idaho and Central Idaho. But when I was 12, um, after I think, you know, like my mom's sister, had, they, they all talk and everything. And she, they were concerned about, you know, what had happened at my dad's and stuff. And, and, uh, I think that she had talked to her, my aunt had maybe spoke with, uh, her oldest, um, son. He's 18 years older than me, um, about possibly having me come down to one of the ranches that he'd uh, been given a job to cow boss and manage, uh, maybe the next summer, you know, to just kind of keep me busy for the summers or something. Um, so they were looking out for me. Uh, he approached me about it and asked if I wanted to come down that next summer, you know, and I was like, <laughs> I would, you know, I was going to be 13 and, uh, I was super excited. Um, so I did, you know, I fell in love with it. It meant that I had to give up summer league baseball. Um, is that kind of a normal age to start that kind of thing? At thirteen, or yeah, at thirteen. Um, I mean, I it I know a guy that started when he was forty-two. So yeah. just matter, just matters well, on your body, I guess, and what you can take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. There's ways around things. Um. Yeah, it, it, it's not, well, I mean, it's not like it was rodeo cowboying, really. Uh, you try and work with your horses a little more than, like, yeah. Anyway, uh, I, yeah, so the first year I had to go do all the, you know, all the hard stuff, like all the boring labor intensive stuff and learn how to just so I knew how to do it all right. You know, all the fencing, all the feeding and all the not so fun stuff and the type of cowboy and I was doing, um, you know, there's cowboys and then there's guys that do all the stuff that I was having to do that first summer, you know, so I didn't get on a horse very much. I didn't get to do any of the glamorous roping and riding at least all that much, you know, but I sure learned how to do all the, all the dirty work, but cleaning out everything uh, probably. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, 
that happened every summer after that even you go straight to the horse barn i wouldn't even say hi to anybody just go straight to the horse barn and start mucking it out <clears throat> oh and i got to learn how to shoe pretty much uh well <laughs> shoe my own horses but shoe a few of my cousin's horses and i got good at that um that first summer but that's a good skill yeah yeah oh, that's absolutely. pretty neat um yeah, they, they always do their own horses and everything. Um, it's not the most fun thing to do in the world, but it's good to know how to do and how to do it right. But uh, I went back doing that every summer, uh, and I gave up baseball, which was a huge deal for me. That was always my favorite sport. Um, and my my cousin was just – he had a reputation as being, like, definitely one of the best – cowboys down there and the type of cowboying is buckarooing it's like a type of big outfit cowboying derives from the vaquero uh cowboys and it's really like through california idaho i mean southern idaho northern nevada southeastern oregon a little bit of wyoming and stuff but you'll find them other places montana for sure too but they're pretty uh proud on doing things the right way they're very methodical and there's a lot of uh there's a lot of etiquette involved um etiquette is and it's not just a job that you clock in and out of every day it's your life it's the lifestyle it's everything um so that turned out being you know um just monumental for me having that opportunity to do that. And then my cousin was willing to take the time, you know, to mentor me to this day. I've had, I've had a few really good mentors, but to this day, uh, you know, I, I definitely value his the most. He, he taught me a lot of really important uh, morals and, you know, just life, uh, life skills. Um, he, as I was saying, is he also had a really good reputation as a cattle manager, like as a cattleman, you know, uh, and just overall ranch manager. Um, one of the most important things that he taught me, though, was just so simple, and I was able to take that on through any job I've ever done, apply it, and, you know, maybe be recognized for it, which is there's always a better way to do something, always a better way to do something. Um, and heart you have to have heart which I already did but I mean um, it's important because even if you don't have talent as long as you have heart try you know with whatever you're doing people are going to notice that yeah Um, if they don't then they're probably not worth working for but um so let's see so I went back every summer and got to do all the cool guy cowboy stuff every summer uh, from the time I was 13 on up through high school. So it would have been between my junior, I guess my junior and senior year when my sister had passed. And then it was a couple months later that summer. Um, my, uh, I, I got news that my uh, dad had passed away. Um, and it just didn't even 
we got a really nasty letter um, that was supposed to be his last letter to all the kids. And knowing his wife, uh, I still speculate that she somehow, she, she was that brazen and also had some pretty high up connections through the government. Um, even though it was not, even though it was notarized, I don't know that it wasn't her that actually wrote it. Um, just kind of just as a jab, you know? Um, so I didn't really, uh, care, uh, much. Um, it was more of a good riddance kind of thing when I got that news. Um, I would later come to find out, uh, well, I'll save that for here in a few minutes. But I had a lot of, I was still talking to God, you know, a lot at that point in my life. Um, but there was an anger that, and hatred and just, I've always been pretty compassionate. But there was something, you know, that it was just boiling up inside of me um, more and more and more over the years. Uh, when my sister passed, uh, that's when I did start talking to God more. And it was very unfair, those conversations. Uh, they were um, pretty hateful uh, from me. Um, but I certainly, and I could even see that, you know, uh, why, he, why she was ready to be brought home you know, and that she wasn't suffering and, um, you know, uh, uh, that she was in a far more peaceful place and everything, but I was still angry. Um, of course I was always angry about, you know, not my dad not being around and stuff through my childhood and having to teach myself how to do almost, you know, all these sorts of things where, you know, that a dad should be there to teach his kid how to do. Always, you know, so there's that frustration too. But I wound up on a ranch that was really nostalgic and had a reputation for um, big, mean horses. And you know, like if <laughs> if you have that ranch on your resume, you know, you can basically get hired on anywhere. Um, I wound up there with a bunch of guys about my age. It was a great time. Um, but it was a buckaroo single, you know, single buckaroo lifestyle too. Um, we were, uh, you know, you go out and work for anywhere from 10 to 14 hours or something. And, you know, any chance you get, uh, you're, you're whatever you're, uh, if you're not working on your gear or just taking a shower or something like that, you're throwing them back, you know? We also had a cook that um, her husband was one of those guys that had to do all the dirty jobs while we got to go do the glamorous job all day, which I can attest is not all that glamorous, <laughs> even though we were horseback. I mean, it's still, it was still 40 below wherever you were. Um, anyway, uh, she just, for whatever reason, just didn't like cowboys and her cooking reflected that and the bartender down the road knew it. So even though I was only 19, he gave me a bar tab, you know, he said, you're old enough. You're out there doing a man's job and everything. You ought to be able to sit down and have a drink. So we had a lot of them and good food. 
<clears throat> but that frustration was, you know, still growing quite a bit. And I, I wasn't identifying it. I didn't even know to take a step back and say, Hey, you know, something's wrong here. Um, I've always been angry in a lot of that roots for my dad, you know, and him, him leaving the family and all, just everything associated with him. But this was different. It was uh, more intense and <clears throat> it was, uh, you know, a day we went out to brand to, I'm sorry, to Dr. Steers. And like I said, it was getting down to like 50 below at night there that winter up in Northern Nevada and on, particularly on the ranch we were on. Um, and so a lot of the steers were starting to get what you call water bellies. They'd get kidney stones and then they couldn't drink water because they couldn't pass water. And if you get sick, then they, you know, it was just really bad because of the cold. So when you're, you know, when you're going after them, roping them, you're like the quicker you get it done, the better. And the longer you're chasing them, you know, the less chance they have to recover and live. And I was on a horse that I can see it now and I could see it even, you know, like a week afterward, I, once I finally cooled down a little bit, but I was on a horse that wouldn't get me to the point I needed to get trying to rope this steer. And I got so angry with myself rather than just assess the situation for what it was, you know, turn that horse in for another one the next day. Um, because he would never, he'd, he'd never get you there. It's called rating when a horse puts you in that, that money spot to be able to get your rope out and make a rating? good shot. Like rating. Yes. Rating. Okay. <clears throat> um, I was just flat out angrier with myself. I think so many years just kind of all blew up, you know, uh, right then and there. And I, as I said before, etiquette was extraordinarily important with that type of cowboying. I was so angry with myself that I fired myself at that moment right there. I turned my horse around and walked off. <clears throat> Nobody had gotten a rope around the steer. Um, but turning around and walking off from the other guys, like that's a big, big no, no. Like that's even worse than cutting the guy off. Like, uh, which is a big one. <laughs> that's a big no, no too. Um, you know, my cow boss immediately came up to me. He's like, cause he, he knew I was good about, you know, etiquette and stuff. And he's like, you know, what's going on. He spent the next two hours trying to talk me out of it, but all I could see was red. And, uh, it was just, I just hated myself, you know, and it wasn't warranted. And I was allowing the enemy to have me think that it was, and it was a big deal. Um, I'd invested a lot of my life, you know, and it had shaped a lot of who I was or who I am even today. Um, just, you know, buckarooing. And so to walk away from it, uh, that was a pretty big defeat, pretty big win for the enemy. Um, I had some friends back up in Moscow that were part of this evangelical church and they, uh, 
they got me to go to a couple services with them. And I was like kind of apprehensive because all I knew of evangelical churches back then was just some of the people I didn't trust that you'd see on TV or, you know, and whatnot. But, um, like at least back Falwell then. Kind of <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Not to be judgy, but sometimes you can just see a demon, you know, yeah. on somebody. Yeah. But uh, then you hear things about, you know, fake healings and stuff like that. Well, anyway, they got me to go to one of the services and the pastor was a uh, retired, he's a retired Marine and just full of energy. And I already knew, um, you know, of course I knew this friend, it was a, a girl uh, and, and her mom, she's kind of a hippie lady also with a little bit of a cowboy background from Southern Idaho. Uh, and then her best friend who is also a jail minister, um, incredible woman. Um, my buddies and I, in fact, when we were having troubles in high school and we wanted to talk about God, we referred to her as the Oracle, like from the matrix movies or whatever, but, <laughs> uh, I guess it'd be after high school, but no, she's great. And they were both, they were, you know, them and their families were in attendance at, at uh, that church and they uh they'd sent me a book when i was down there that i read as a matter of fact about it was a bio autobiography by um a guy i think it was autobiography yeah by john g lake who was a christian running a healing ministry back in the uh early 1900s and so I read the, the autobiography while I was down there, you know, in the bunkhouse and, and, uh, I asked them about it and they're like, do you want to go to the healing rooms? Um, cause they'd taken me to a couple of church services and it was cool and everything, but I'm kind of shy anyway. And I'm very cagey. Like I question pretty much everything. Um, <laughs> I'm the kid that just stays in the back corner of the room, taking notes, you know, don't trust much, but, uh, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. Like the definitely my curiosity had definitely been piqued by reading his autobiography. So they operate the, they, to this day, they operate the rooms where this guy had performed over, uh, 225,000 healings in the early 1900s up in Spokane. They documented them. Wow. In fact, at that point, one of those years, Spokane was actually listed as the healthiest city in the nation, um, which it is not now. But they're right down the right down the street from the hospital, and they documented all that stuff. And I just found out about it. I was like, "This is kind of cool." Like I'm starting to just kind of see all of see what I, I I guess I had hoped was always there with this relationship with God, and I'm seeing these other people talking, and they're talking about it and having it. Um, it's way different and not just like black and white, like Scott, you know, Kesterson mentions like, you know, the, uh, what are they? Pew marshmallows just once a, you know, one day a week Christians or whatever that I was used to. Um, cause again, I paid attention to a lot of that when I was a kid in the church that I was in and there were definitely those type there. Uh, so to, to be in that, group of people you know around that group of people and to be in the 
like the non-denominational evangelical service was just incredible, you know, and the praise and worship and like feeling the Holy Spirit come over you was something that I just hadn't, I didn't know until then. So they wind up taking me up to the healing rooms. I just wanted to check them out more than anything. And I was 20 years old. That would have been 2000, I believe. Um, and the healing rooms are in this building there on the, I think the fourth story. Um, and you get in this elevator and go up and I just had this calm, I had, all the skepticism that I had going in there just like went away as soon as I got in that elevator for whatever reason. And I just had this calm and peace come over me. Um, and like just this physical fuzziness, you know, like the the elevator, like, yeah, like they load the elevator with laughing gas or something. I don't know. (laughs) No, it was, uh, it was, it was, definitely a notable like physical feeling going up there and I didn't know what to expect but uh wind up going in there you know there's a little uh secretary lady when you come off the elevator with just the, her office is just all open right there and then you kind of fill out a form which I kind of scoffed at the idea okay I'm just gonna fill a form out for what I want healed from or delivered from okay you know, I'm still <laughs> the skeptic. It didn't take long for the skepticism to come back. She said, okay, um, we'll let you know whenever they're ready to, you know, take you back and pray for you. You can just wait in the testimonial room. I guess God and, can work uh, through a form, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything, <laughs> anything he wants. So yeah, she said, go wait in the testimonial room. And she says, you know, it's the first room on the left down there. So I go in there and there are like, there's these little, I don't know what the measurements are. They're like the four by six, four by seven, maybe. Uh, like a recipe cards. card? Recipe yeah. Card or something. Okay. Yeah. So there's this wall shooting out to the outside wall when you walk in the door out of the hallway. And it's like 40 foot wall, I think, by 10 foot high, at least. And the entire wall is covered with those cards and they're carrying over to the next wall, to the outside wall. And that one's carrying over to a third wall and like two thirds of it are filled up with these cards and they're all from just that year from oh, people wow. who've come there and, and, and put their healing and or deliverance testimony on these little cards. And that moment right there for me was it. Um, a kid, there was a kid who had, um, he only weighed probably 80 some pounds. You could tell he was going through chemo. He was about 15 years old. He was in and out. You could tell that he was, um, a regular there, right? Like everybody knew him. He knew everybody really nice kid. Um, He left for a little while and he comes running back in there. Meanwhile, I'm just stuck. I'm still on the first wall, you know, just reading testimonies. And that kid comes running back in the room and he says, did you guys hear about so-and-so, you know, about this guy up at the hospital or up the street? He's just been cured of HIV. Like, what? 
And the more of these testimonies and stuff I'm reading, I'm just like, <sighs> that was a very huge moment for me. And it took me back to something that John G. Lake said in his autobiography when he was talking about somebody, you know, these people that would approach him and try and give him the glory. And he would say, he'd stop them in their tracks and he'd say, you know, like, hold it, hold it, hold it. Like, that's not me. This is Jesus. I'm just doing works through him. We all have these abilities. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not, you know, just a matter of whether or not you believe. You have to have that faith in him. Um, so that helped a lot, you know, like going back to, I'm glad that I'd read that before. Um, he, uh, otherwise I would have been like, you're, you're insane. Like, you know, I would have questioned it, which is now I see that as like, you know, that's something that John G. Lake said, a miracle is anything that's possible through God. You really question the creator, your creator, the creator of all that is. You know, so my vision was a lot more clear at that point. Um, and it was more about, you know, they took me in and prayed for me and everything, but I was young and dumb. I was like, I don't know, probably quit chewing or something. Maybe I'd be delivered. From I didn't know what to ask. I didn't, you know, I was just flabbergasted from that testimonial everything. And that, you know, hearing about the guy with the HIV and stuff. Um, so I was happy enough and content enough to just go back into the testimonial room and just, we stayed in there as long as we could. I think we may have read all of them um, and then came back to Moscow. But that was a very pivotal point for me with my relationship with God. Uh, I began to repent. Um, where are we at? I'm checking the clock. Getting into the next part here, which, uh, yeah. Um, I don't normally talk this much. I haven't talked this much since my drinking days, which I suppose I ought to get into. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't become like um, an every Sunday member, but I did go often to that church afterward. But it, my my entire understanding of God was um completely changed and i would highly recommend it i'm not saying obviously like a lot of the people that we know from the bards community and whatnot like we're skeptics you know but we 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 want to know the truth i think and that's what but we're the ones who like kept going and really wanted to know you know like all the truths and the real truth. And that's how we found this place. And, you know, I thank God for like Scott and Duncan, you know, and all you guys like, you know, for, for taking up leadership roles as you all have um, and seeing this for what it is. It's pretty incredible. Um, that's uh, yeah. It's a great family. I would think. Right. 
Yeah, it's just very special because, you know, at a time when information finally became available and so many people started seeking it, uh, I think, well, in fact, we're friends with a guy who's probably one of the best debaters out there. And he was one of the best atheist debaters out there, you know, at the time. And now he's one of the best Christian debaters uh, because he tried to he tried to poke holes in it and he couldn't. Um, yeah, there's some incredible, incredible minds and hearts and spirits in this family, but that's what, you know, I think just that one, that, that one common denominator, um, it's like people who truly want to find the truth. I think that's, that's the vast majority of this family anyway. Um, so you mentioned you were struggling with some addiction maybe or something yeah so i mean alcohol was always part of like the cowboying thing and whatnot my dad was an alcoholic so like i'm already genetically you know predisposed and everything um i wound up getting into construction um you know after with the cowboying thing and that's like you know everybody well not everybody but you know like there's more than just alcohol with all of that. And it starts out with the excuses, you know, like, well, my back, my back sore tonight or whatever. You'll have one more beer than I normally would. Or, you know, and I've always hated pills. I never trust. I used to spit my Flintstones vitamins out. So luckily I never got into like the pill thing, but I certainly watched you guys do it, especially like in the, you know, in the construction business. Um, and it's pretty sad because that would ultimately wind up turning into heroin addiction, addictions, sometimes meth and whatnot. Um, let, let me add some notes there. So, yeah, I wind I wound up doing everything from excavation is actually the first construction that I started out doing. And then of course, like framing and, um, finished carpentry have even done like geotech engineering and stuff on the civil engineering side. Um, but, uh, yeah, the alcohol was just part of the lifestyle with me and my friends, um, all the time. And it was like, it started out as an excuse to hang out with friends. And then I think for a lot of us, it almost got it turned, you know, like an ex- us hanging out almost turned into an excuse because we were starting families and stuff. A lot of us almost as an excuse to drink, you know, which is pretty sad. And you don't see it. Um, you don't see it till, you know, a lot of times it's too late. Um, in my case, um, I was able to, you know, go home at the end of a hard day's work and I've also driven truck and stuff too, um, which can be fairly stressful and give you, you know, yet another excuse to toss, toss a couple back. Um, but I got to the point with my drinking where. I was able to throw back 17 beers, tall boy beers at that. 
in a night. Mm-hmm. Um, and still, you know, have a conversation, um, still, still, you know, do the things that needed to be done for the most part. Um, and within the last, within the last, uh, couple of years I'd noticed, um, you know, it's time because I had told myself for the last 10 years, like, well, I, I'm not the sort to ask for help. You know, I've got my own opinions about the psychiatric industry and, you know, big pharma and all that and kind of see that for what it is. But, um, you know, so I was able to listen to the yeah, Duncan talks about the little devil and the little angel, one on each shoulder. <clears throat> and uh, I'm pretty sure I'd talk to the little angel for a second, but by the time I'd look over to the other shoulder, you know, the devil had already stripped the angel's clothes off. And I thought I was talking to the angel still, still you know, I was like, um, it's a pretty slick, um, very deceitful drug, uh, especially when there's pride involved. And I told myself for, you know, probably about 10 years that I was going to be able to deal with it myself because it was never, you know, two or three beers, uh, those two or three beers would just that they'd only make me thirsty, you know? And, I just got way, way, way too comfortable with it. My tolerance went up way too much. Um, so I wound up, uh, you know, um, of course, the inside stuff, that self-hatred hadn't completely gone away. You know, um, Jesus was always there and always has been. And I knew that and I was still talking to him. I just wasn't listening. Um, where it came to that, I should have noticed with the pride, which I, you know, I'm better at now, but. So Echoes um, has a question. Yeah. She wants to know what happened that made you want to quit. Um, well, I had to, um, with the law. Um, I'll, I'm right there getting into that. Um, I, but, but overall, um, boy, um, just not being me anymore. Um, having those moments where I'm like, I've always promised myself from the time I was a little kid that I would never forget what it felt like to know a heck of a lot more than adults gave you credit for, you know, um, that you were paying attention a lot more, that you were a lot smarter, a lot more capable. And I, I always, you know, so that, that takes me back to like what, you know, my kid self would think of my adult self. Um, and that's like been times where, I'll wake up to a mess of beer cans, you know, or I've drank so much that I'm throwing up or just a lot of the dark stuff about, uh, alcoholism that, you know, you try and just in that moment, 
um, the enemy helps you to uh, just write it off as kind of not a big deal, you know, like just won't do that next time. And then next time's there. And then next time it's just day after day after day after day. And your heart can be in the right place. Like I said, you can still talk to God and everything, but I got, I finally got to a point where I was like, man, like this isn't, this isn't changing. And the church that I attend sometimes it's a, a crossing. They offer a recovery night now. Um, and one of the programs is a 12-step program. Um, Rick Warren is like part writer. Of, he's one of the writers of that program. Is it Celebrate Recovery? Celebrate Recovery, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and they split it up into men's and women's groups. And so it was <clears throat> early last uh, summer. I was starting to look into it and like sniff around and check class times and stuff buddy who I was working with at the time doing excavation, um, he's recovered from tremendous addiction, uh, started out with alcohol when we were younger. And even though like, you know, he was part of that, you know, our tight knit group through junior high and high school, you know, maybe, I guess there were what, four, uh, four to six of us a lot of the time, but he would, he would do what we would do on, Friday or Saturday nights every night and then some like tenfold whenever he'd do it to where it was always babysitting. And it got to the point with him where like we had to walk away from him, you know, like, sorry, man, like we can't, we don't know how to help you and we can't just babysit you every time, you know, every time you do this, and you're going to get somebody and yourself killed. So we walked away and in a sense, we didn't have like, you know, it's not like we weren't friends anymore. We just didn't hang out for a lot of years and come back couple of years after high school cowboy and all that. And I asked around about him. People just kind of hang their heads. Well, he'd gotten into meth and, uh, and then, and pills and all of that as well. And he, they had, they had their claws deep in him for a while, but he's been through recovery, not through the church, <clears throat> but through the state as well as a, a treatment center specifically for his alcohol um, that has a very high success rate. Um, but he's been recovered for eight years now, I believe. And, you know, we wound up working, working together again here a couple of years ago. And so I was kind of talking to him about it a little bit and stuff. He's like, yeah, man, you know, go do it. Like hit that place up. I wasn't, you know, I will say this. I never came to work drunk or drinking or anything like that ever. Um, and still made it to work and everything. But it was just tugging at me so hard knowing that I needed to do something. And there's other life stuff that contributed to that, um, that has contributed to that recently. But that's all. Uh, about the last six years, I think a lot of us can relate to just certain things we might not be able to bring up on the radio uh, at the moment, but eventually someday. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, back to you, Echoes. <clears throat> I was sniffing around about it and that very next weekend I was on a trip down to um, Southern Idaho and I, as a professional driver, you know, in my head, I'm the best driver on the road, no matter what. Um, and that cockiness, you know, was uh, that allowed me to 
go ahead and think I could get away with open container driving and stuff. And it was on one of the most dangerous highways, or used to be at least, in, in America on 95. I was about two, five hours into a six-hour trip, and it was nighttime. I had just finished a podcast, was wanting to start another one, and was on cruise control at the speed, or three miles an hour above the speed limit, and pulled off, signaled, pulled off, put my flashers on and I'd sped up to pull off because there was a car that was getting closer behind me. Headlights were getting closer behind me. So I wanted to leave a cushion or whatever. Well, it was a cop. And when I sped up to (laughs) make that cushion, he, uh, he clocked me in and, and lock or locked my speed in. And, uh, he turned out to be one of several, at least two, um angels uh in in you know in their human form whether they realize it or not in my life he's a great guy um he's retired um retired airborne ranger um and you know that was it i was way over the legal limit but i was you know i was driving fine he pulled me over for, for the speed and he immediately smelled the alcohol. Um, but it needed to happen. But it did happen just a couple of days after I could have just, you know, and really like it was a couple of weeks that I could have just already started that program up at that church for the 12 step. Now I get to do that program or after that, you know, little incident and some jail time, I get both, you know, I get both worlds. I get, uh, get to do the state program, uh, as well as, you know, through the church, the church was my, um, you know, that was, um, on me. Like that was just my choice. Um, again, I still have my skepticism about Western psychology and all that. Um, and I said, the only way this is going to happen is with God. So that has been, I completed the program back you know the end of the year but because of the way it was set up with other men um with their own issues and everything there was a group of about 10 of us when it started that was by far more effective than the stuff i've done through the state um their stuff's been great too but you know and i take i, I take what i can from from um, those courses, which I continue to, uh, do one of them, but I'd already completed, you know, two other classes through that. They're essentially set up like a 12 stud. Um, for me though, um, yeah, the one through the church was just way better, uh, way more effective. I, there's no, I don't want you to have to edit anything out. There's no BS in God is the thing. And And when you recognize the true higher power, right? Right. Right. Yeah. There's there, but you can't lie to yourself, you know, where there's people who go through these programs through the state and stuff. A lot of them are lying and they're just not ready, you know? Um, 
and even the ones that maybe aren't lying and they take it seriously, they're not going to find, they're not going to find the same sort of, it's not just the recovery. It's like the, um, I guess just the revelation of all these tools um, for all these other things that you have going on. Cause that's the thing, like a lot of us in that, you know, in the men's group program through the church, we come in there with, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, mine's alcoholism. You know, a guy across the table, you know, uh, his is one thing or another thing. And you're like, well, wait a minute, you know, like, I guess I've kind of got that going on too. Or if I don't, maybe, you know, I'm going to pay attention to what, you know, how this guy's doing that through, you know, with Jesus, just in case that I ever have to deal with in the future. It's just, I can't say enough good things about it. Um, for anybody, for anything, basically it's not like the class was the one at the church was just set up for addicts, you know, it's for anything. It's for hurts, habits, and hangups, you know, in fact, one of the main guys, one of the leaders in the class, like he was approached about the class and he's like, no, I don't have anything going on. I don't, <laughs> I don't have any problems, you know? And he went to one class and he was like, like, Oh, wait a minute, you know? And I'll, you know, I'll be honest. Like I was skeptical of that looking from the outside in, but you know, just that they're going to find something. It's not that, you know, they're not going to draw it out of you. God is and the program, the program will too. And it just, it, it really, I recommend it to anybody for whatever reason. Um, it's only going to, you know, get you closer to your walk with God, which it's done for me for sure. The drinking hasn't been, I don't even know how many days it's been. It's been since June 11th, but I haven't wanted to, I haven't you know i guess like the temptations there i guess are you but still it's in the not program? for me no i'm taking a break um i you know so i graduated that one and they want you to they of course like kind of um they'd like for you to come back especially if you can you know um be any sort of sponsor for anybody else um my sponsorship, my sponsor initially wound up being way too busy. That's something I will say <clears throat> for anybody. If they do it, make sure that you ask your, don't hesitate to ask your sponsor if they're actually, if they actually have the time and make them give you a straight up answer about that. Cause it's important. They need to be able to, you know, they need to be able to answer the phone um, when you need them, you know, um, I wound up having to switch sponsors cause my initial one was super, super busy. And when he and I finally sat down and we were talking about the anger thing and whatnot, as a matter of fact, he let me talk it out myself, that anger that I had toward God. I didn't realize it. It seems it might, it sounds dumb. Maybe, you know, somebody hearing this, but anger is truly blinding, you know, but it took me finally just talking it out you know, piece by piece that in fact, that hateful relationship that I had toward God, those, that was, you know, um, 
basically me projecting the feelings that I had toward, toward my dad onto father. And that was uh, pretty mind blowing to realize that. Um, it's pretty incredible how, how we mistreat God. Um, and my, and, uh, you know, it was a pretty good wake up call. So at this point, I'm definitely trying to remind myself of that every day. I have a little girl. Um, a lot of what I can't talk about is up in the air in courts and stuff right now with all of that. But I will say that her relationship with God is number one, you know, for me. Um, in fact, that's what's just that and her safety. Um, but I can't wait to, you know, one of the guys in my class at the church, as a matter of fact, he had a revelation of how kind, gentle and patient his dad was with him. And he, it took him 45 years before he realized that his dad was trying to be the sort of father that Jesus, you know, the, the, or the, the God would be to him. And, you know, it, it was quite a moment for him to have that realization. Um, and very notable for me. I definitely wrote that one down. <laughs> like, yeah, that's huge. That's important. That's number one for me and my daughter, you know, and, uh, you know, of course, safety is part of that too. But uh, in fact, Punky mentioned some books the other night. Maybe if somebody's in there and chat, if they know, they might put them in there. It's uh, like uh, just daily devotionals. Yeah, Punky's in here today. Okay. But I just ordered a couple of those up. She's not with me right now. We just get phone calls whenever we can get them. But that's going to be a thing i'll have her this summer but um you know full time but right now it's just everything we can do over the phone so i'm pretty excited about that and yeah you know and for her to for her to just learn these things that i so wish we would have learned about god when when we were kids and a lot of us just didn't you know but yeah i think a lot of us are experiencing that right with our kids 2020 vision, you know? Right. So, yeah, I mean, just that's a huge part of my focus right now. Um, and also just growing more and, and at the same time, understanding. That's one thing is I'm trying to understand <laughs> all the reasons where there's a lot of people who are probably very analytical in chat right now. And so they want to know everything about whatever it is that they're trying to understand, you know, and this is a pretty big one for me. Um, and especially if I, you know, uh, want to be able to offer people help and anybody out there who's listening now or anytime later, you know, on the recording and feel more than, happy, you know, feel more than free. I got a pretty big toolbox for, uh, some things for, for the, you know, addiction at this point, just having, like I said, you know, both the like Western psychology's take on stuff, but especially my favorite, you know, um, that celebrate recovery. That's 
that's really all you need that program that's one i'd recommend to anybody that's awesome but, uh, i'm familiar yeah. with it i've known some people who've gone through it too so yeah yeah it's really awesome and again like i said it doesn't have to be for addiction you can just show up and guarantee it you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna be like oh cool you know it doesn't have, and it doesn't have to be like i mean don't be afraid of it and that that's again like the way they set it up where it's men's groups and women's groups that's so helpful because there's so many things that you wouldn't normally discuss like for instance in my other groups you know um like through the state uh you know it's kind of mixed company just like not having god there for one it's huge as far as what you're willing to talk about um and how whether or not people are going to be able to understand what you're talking about where you're coming from but um i'm just excited to to move forward and i'm the sort of person that i like to have i like to understand something fully you know until i'm comfortable enough to say you know i've got this and i don't expect to understand god fully before i leave this place by any means but i'm just kind of at the point i'm at in my life right now just you know organizing my notes and my own uh process through recovery and whatnot um and just kind of kind of compiling things and again just still trying to figure out exactly what that is and i think a lot of it in my case has to do with this world and i think it does for a lot of us um this world takes it out of you um <clears throat> or however you want to say that it's it, it could be said that like one analogy is you know you've got this bright light this inner child who was perfect you're god's creation but then you're put out into this place that's full of evil. You don't recognize it, but then like all these layers get put on you throughout this life um, in this place. And it's pretty incredible what can happen over the period of, you know, just a couple of decades with you not, you know, with you not realizing that and realizing that it's happening and how far away from that inner child, that kid, you know, you've gotten um so right now is just kind of stripping those layers off and trying to get back to that kid because if i ran into him here a few months ago he'd probably whip my ass you know <laughs> so. well sounds like you're making your way there thank you for sharing yeah. you tonight. thank awesome. you guys wade uh let me ask you did you did you ever think you're ever going to beat your habit by yourself? I did. Yeah. And that, that was something? my biggest problem. Well, I mean, huh. because I, you know, because I had a relationship with God, that's a fantastic question. Yeah. Uh, but with, with God, but without those tools. Yeah. And I don't think I could have done it without those tools, without that class. Um, because it requires you to do things. It requires you, um, the biggest thing that it requires is your inventory, um, you know, and, and repentance and, you know, um, forgiveness is huge. 
And uh, we talk about this a lot in the different podcasts, but one thing that was, you know, a common denominator in the men in my class uh, in that 12 step celebrate recovery was that we'd all write our lists out and everything and we'd tweak them and whatnot there for a couple of weeks. And the leader of the group wouldn't say anything um, until finally he was, he brought it up. He said, how many of you have, you know, put yourself on that list to forgive? So that's pretty huge. Yeah. Uh, That's an important part of it. it. Yep. Thanks, Wade. Thanks, Wade. Yeah. You bet, guys. Well. Uh, Mary, if you want to, I'll open up calls for salvation. Okay. So, thank you, Wade, for all of that. Hopefully. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot more. I just, yeah, you'll have to have me on here in another five years. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing we've done is, you know, we could tell God's still doing work in all of our lives. And, uh, yeah, everybody's welcome back after a couple more years and, and we'll get the extended version then, you know. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Wade. Thank you. Thank you, guys. So that uh, brings us to the most important thing of the whole night, right? (laughs) And that's salvation. So um, just if anybody is listening right now and you don't have Jesus in your life, you don't know him, it's okay because he knows you. He's been with you your whole life. He's been waiting for you. So it doesn't matter where you're coming from, where you've been, you know, what kind of life you've had, what struggles you've had. If you've struggled, you know, just like Wade has talked about, um, God is right there for you, right in the middle of your mess. You know, he's there for your questions. He's there when, you know, you're in the back of the room and you're kind of just scoping it out (laughs) wondering about this christian thing well he's right there for you so and it's really important it's eternity um because we have a problem and it's called sin but the solution is jesus christ but that also requires a response from us so the bible lays it out pretty simple Um, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So Ron has opened up the call feature. And if if anyone's listening that, um, that wants the Lord in your life, Don't let it pass you by. Just call in. And we'll lead you right up to the cross. But it doesn't matter even if, you know, if you're listening to this later, you know, you don't need me to do that. You just need the Lord. And you can just get right down on your knees right in your living room right now and confess that you need him and believe in your heart that he raised, that God raised him from the dead. So, um, Ron, did anyone call in? I'm not, I'm not, I can't see that part of it. So, 
I don't think so. But that's okay. We do have a prayer of surrender on our Godcast Telegram page. Um, you can go through that. Uh, you know, I can just say it right now too, because if you're sitting there and you, you don't know what to say, um, here's an idea. Dear God, I come before you today with a humble heart and surrender my life to you. I believe that Jesus Christ was born free of sin, died on the cross as a payment for my own sin, and rose three days later. I believe in your gift of salvation and eternal life because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. God, today I repent and I turn from my old way of life. Today I ask for a new life through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for forgiving me and making me brand new. In Jesus' name. And if you've prayed that prayer, if you believe that in your heart, and if you've confessed that, welcome to the family. <laughs> we love it that you're here with us. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. Thank you so much. Uh, yes, for those that are listening, please, um, if you need to see our prayer of surrender or if you don't have a Bible handy and you want to see Romans 10, 9 through 10, you can find that on our Telegram page at this is an official Godcast testimony and salvation page on Telegram. Uh, also, if you need a Bible, please just email us at this is an official Godcast at gmail.com and Mary and I and Burke will send you out a Bible. Uh, before we go into our closing prayer, just a few announcements. Again, next week we are going to have Gwen Besser. And the week after that, we've got Paulette Anderson coming to give their testimonies. And both of these stories are just absolutely incredible stories. Um, uh, listen to Gwen's story. I think the first five or seven minutes of it, I was able to catch it off of a video online and um, just brought me to tears. Just, just an incredible story of, uh, you know, tears of sorrow and then tears of pain. Just, just an absolute incredible story. And just goes to show what Jesus can do in somebody's life. Yeah, she's warned us that we might have some tears. Uh, don't but miss also that. Also some laughs. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. A lot of both. Um, and, and just a beautiful, incredible woman, Gwen Besser. Um, it's going to be just absolutely beautiful. Have her in here next week. Um, and we're going to get into, uh, a final prayer for those who have, for, for those who have tagged Mary, uh, Mary will pray for you here at the end of the show. Uh, just a couple more announcements tonight here on Podbean. Hey, it's Friday night on Podbean, and it's hopping right here. There's no need to go anywhere. Uh, Conley's going on right now, and we've got Bards FM going on at 9 p.m. Eastern. And my favorite show, Kilted Christian, going on at 10.30 Eastern time tonight. And midnight, Scott's got the skeleton crew going on at midnight, 12 o'clock fishers of men so no need to go anywhere stay right here and don't forget to come back here next week yeah and what else do we have other announcements i think that's about it that's about it okay ready for a prayer mary you gonna get into prayer for us yes okay thank you okay
Okay, Lord, we're here. We've had a really fun night with you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for um, prompting Wade to come on here and share his story and uh, your story in his life. And uh, we just pray a blessing over Wade and his family, his daughter. And um, I just pray against any any more challenges that he's, you know, faced. I pray, Lord, that you would just guide him through it. And that um, we just praise you and we thank you that he has come out of some addiction and only through you. So you, you get the glory, Lord. So thank you for that. And I just pray that whatever uh, he is dead tonight, Lord, that it would just go out and it would touch somebody tonight in a way that they would want to have a relationship with you too. So there's been a few people, Lord, who have um, said that they would like some prayers. They're having some challenges too. So uh, Livin, our lovely Livin that we just love so much. She's got an unspoken prayer, Lord. So we just, um, her and Insidious both have unspoken prayers. So we just lift those prayers up to you right now, Lord. You know what they are. And so we just pray in agreement with whatever it is that your will is for them in their lives and whatever they're facing. We pray, Lord, that whatever it is, that it will just ultimately bring them closer to you, closer to their families, closer to leading other people to Christ. We pray all those great kingdom things in these prayers, Lord, because we know that these are two kingdom warriors for you. These are some pretty bold women for Christ, Lord. So we thank you for them. And I lift up uh, Becky, my friend Becky, who her brother-in-law was facing some health issues and some diagnosis this week. And so we just uh, lift up his health to you, Lord, and for con continue healing in his life. And I just, I pray that their family would also find this to be, you know, a stone that they could gather around, you know, with you at the center. And I also want to lift up Nikki wants to pray for our America and our President Trump. And we should always be lifting up our leaders. You know, Lord, we, we want them to come to the truth, especially if we disagree with them, right? So, um, Lord, we, we pray for President Trump's heart to be softened towards you. We don't know where he's at with you and your, his relationship, but we want we just pray that his heart would be softened towards you and that he would be guided by you and not the other voices of the enemy. And we, we pray for America. We pray for, you know, everybody that might be struggling financially or worry. We just pray against worry in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray against anxiety and worry. Get out. You are not wanted in anybody's life. We pray against all of that in Jesus' name. 
And I also want to lift up MSM, John, and whatever he's going through health-wise, we, we know, Lord, that you're on top of it. And so we're going to trust you in it. And we pray for his family and whatever things that he might be going through. You know, he's, he's looking to you, Lord. And so we praise you and we thank you for that. We thank you for that relationship that you have with him and his family and that he can turn to you in times of struggle and, and challenges. So we just, we pray healing over him. And I also want to lift up Ron's kids, their grandpa, Tim. I want to just pray healing. We just pray for him every week, Lord. I mean, not even just every week. I'm sure the kids are praying for him all the time. So we just lift him up and his healing. We pray that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray a healing over Tim. We pray a peace over his mind and his heart. And we pray that he'll just be, get closer to you, Lord, through this. And we just pray for strength for the kids. And we pray for strength for Ron and, and how he's raising up these disciples just to be the warriors that they're, they already are, but even more so as they grow. So, And just finally, Lord, we, we do lift up whoever hears this message tonight. Maybe it's a couple of years from now. I don't know. But you know the timing of things. So we're just going to trust you in it. And we love you, Lord. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you just be infused into whoever's heart that nearly needs you tonight. And Father, thank you for just, for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Mary. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Mary. Yeah, thanks, Mary. Wade, awesome, man. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you for coming here on God Quest tonight. Well, thank you. Yeah. I certainly appreciate it, guys. Thank you, Wade. Wade Remington. Yes. And I got to say from day one, ever since I got in, in the bars and I heard, I saw your name, I was like, Wade Remington, man, that is a cool <laughs> name. I bet you, I said, I wonder how he thought up of that name, man. I did too. I that's thought like, it was made up. I mean, that's like Clint Eastwood, you know, that's right <laughs> up there. That is awesome. He's kind of like Clint Eastwood too. Sure right? is. Hey, he's a real deal. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, again, if anybody wants to, I, I guess that's my biggest message is like, Mary, you iterated that. And so you, Ron, uh, he's always been there. Yeah. He's always there for all of us. Um, yes. So, and anytime anybody ever wants to reach out to me, um, yeah, for if you, if you want the R rated version. Or there's just a lot that I couldn't disclose. And I think that probably stands for a lot of people in this community, you know, at this, at this that's time, okay. but get out people. That's one, that's one other important thing I can say for a lot of us. I know, especially all, you know, all the research everybody does and everything, get outside, go, go hang out with people, especially if you find yourself in isolation, you know, Get outside and hang out with friends and congregate. Yeah, that's what Jesus did. I agree. Okay. Hey, M Mike, we're going to close out. Um, are Are you going to play that song by uh, Carrie Underwood? <laughs> <laughs> 
Jesus. I don't think so much. No. Okay. Do you got a song in you tonight by chance? Do you got one in you? I'll play you one. You will? Oh. All right. Oh, we are going to be blessed by Burke tonight. Beautiful. Yes. Thank you, brother. You either will or you won't be. <laughs> we will be. We will be. You may not oh, we ask. Will. We will. You may, you may not ask me next week. That's okay. <laughs> if it's real bad, we won't that. ask next week. We'll I'm give you a week off. That responsibility. No, don't go doing nothing on purpose like a plan. <laughs> insidious, is, insidious is Jeff here? Insidious, you better call your man to the computer. He's working. You don't want to miss this. Oh man, if you guys could all see this in Zoom, Mike's in his studio. Oh, nice. My oh, studio. he's strapping on the guitar. Here we go. Nice. You can hear it? Yep. Yeah. Five five. Got a five five. The choppy? No. Hey, folks, sound good. Us. Sound good. Hey, Jeff's here. How's he sound, Wade? How's he sound? Getting some Whoa. feedback. Oh. Yeah, you were good. All right. This song's called uh Old Satan. Ooh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Living in a world of mass confusion Where contentment's hard to find Living in the days of revelation With old Satan close behind I've been talked about and laughed at I've been locked out in the cold but I don't aim to give old Satan any claim upon my soul. You better look around. You better look around. Better be wondering what salvation's all about. Better believe and understand before old Satan takes your hand. He's gonna take you, but it ain't gonna be to the promise. Friends all turn against you, even though you've done your best. Say a prayer, keep on trying, let the good Lord do the rest. When temptation's all around you, and you feel like turning back, but I don't just remember that old Satan's right there breathing down your back. You better look around. You better look around. Better be wondering what salvation's all about. Better believe and understand before old Satan takes your hand. He's gonna take you, but it ain't gonna be to the promised land. Yeah, wow. love it. That was really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Man, Ladies and gentlemen, here. the Burke. Live, beautiful, in the key of cat. Some real big talent here. Wow, that's cool. Thank you. Awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Burke. Thank you for uh, joining us, my dearest friends. Let us not forget, we are here for one reason and one reason only, and that is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So please 
find someone you love and share this with them. Until next week, we love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good night.
All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Please, joining us, please. come and join us next week. We'll be here at 7 o'clock Eastern next week with Gwen Besser. Until then, have a great week. Good night, guys. We love you. Until then, have a great week. Good night, guys. We love you. <laughs> love you.